0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Farming for the future.
2: Now the great thing is we can have all this good information instantly of what we're looking at how we're doing.
1: How one farming family has overcome challenges all while looking ahead to become the top producer of the year. Not sufficient. U.S. ag officials challenge Mexico on its GMO corn stance. They hit record highs last year.
3: And now this year we're going into it. The markets feel almost to a certain extent oversupplied.
1: What could farmers face when it comes to fertilizer in 2023? The answer right now on Ag Day. Good morning. I'm Michelle Rua. Clinton is on assignment at the Top Producer Summit. Well, one of the biggest concerns for producers heading into the 2023 growing season is the high cost of inputs. However, there is one input that's looking surprisingly less expensive than a year ago, fertilizer. A warm winter in Europe and an easing of supply chain issues has led to a 50% price drop in natural gas used to produce nitrogen fertilizer products. Now That has taken the pressure off the global fertilizer market. One fertilizer expert says last year, fertilizer supplies were down from the top global producer, Russia, due to the Black Sea War. Plus, production of other products were down in China and Europe, which pushed prices to record levels. But that situation has flipped.
3: And now this year we're going into it. The markets feel almost to a certain extent oversupplied. Demand feels like it can continue to wait and hold off. Nobody's worried about logistics. It's, it is a much calmer, more normal Marketplace today than where we were 12 months ago.
1: Lynnville says prices for many fertilizer products in the NOLA market are already down about half compared to the peak in March and April of 2022.
3: That phosphate prices got up to over $1,000 today. It's in the 600-650. Uh, potash got $800-$900 today. That price is around $400. Um, urea, I believe, got to 900 today. That price is closer to 360-370. So uh, depending on the product, you're talking maybe a little less than 50% of where the high was. Uh, Some of the other products a little bit over 50.
1: Now, Linville predicts those lower prices will hold into the spring planting season, but he recommends that if farmers can lock in fertilizer prices against grain prices at a profit, they should pull the trigger, especially since there could be logistical issues this spring with the reduced barge traffic on the Mississippi River. Happening right now, U.S. ag trade officials are in Mexico in hopes of solving recent issues regarding genetically engineered corn. The concern, Mexico's pending ban on GMO corn by 2024. U.S.D. Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs Alexis Taylor and U.S. Chief Agricultural Negotiator Doug McAuliffe leading the talks saying in a statement they continue to engage with their Mexican counterparts to address their grave concerns about the country's biotechnology policies. They labeled proposed changes offered by Mexico as not sufficient, with Mexico's approach on biotech crops still not grounded in science. U.S. officials warned if the matter is not resolved, the U.S. would consider all options, including taking formal steps to enforce rights under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Mexico recently saying it would hold off on implementing the ban until 2025. One storm pushing across the country is bringing strong weather. Storms in the south and now snow to the north. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is continuing to track it.
4: And We do continue to track this dominant low pressure system here that is kind of causing a little bit of chaos here across the country's midsection. We're watching the deep south still for today. For scattered strong of thunderstorms, and that trend will begin its way over towards of the Carolina coastline. Meanwhile, again dealing with some hefty amount of snow for portions of the Ohio River Valley. Let's take a closer look at that severe thunderstorm risk as we head on into today. A isolated tornadoes is certainly possible here in this red shaded area. We're talking all the way from southeastern Georgia, northern tier of Florida. All the way up across parts of the Carolinas as well. We'll have to watch out for some damaging wind gust on this Wednesday. And again, there's a winter side to the system. Check out the snowfall there. That purple is a representation of three to six plus inches of snow. And as we track this low pressure system, it'll begin to work its way off the coastline here. Once we head on into Thursday, and right as it does, we're already tracking our another system coming on down and that's going to bring with it some frigid air beyond next weekend throughout the, at least the northern sections here of the lower 48. And of course, we can't forget it's calving season. Mike Warden of Grand Island, Nebraska, says these are the first twins of the season. I'll more in Drag Day forecast coming up.
1: The strike is finally over at some ag equipment maker plants. United Auto Workers at Case New Holland Plants in Burlington, Iowa, and Racine, Wisconsin, ratifying a new labor contract agreement. They had been on strike for more than eight months. The workers voting on what's been called a last best and final offer presented by CNH Industrial to the UAW. Now, it includes wage and shift premium increases. It came after a mediation session conducted by Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh. Now, you'll remember earlier this month, the union had rejected another offer. The union represents about 1,100 hourly employees at the two facilities. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says it's delaying a plan to list the lesser prairie chicken as an endangered species. Now, at the urging of members of Congress, it is delaying the effective date to March 27th. The agency is saying the extension will allow it to finalize conservation tools and guidance to avoid confusion and disruption to landowners. The chicken's grazing habitat spans parts of five states Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and New Mexico. In a release, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association saying it has filed a notice of intent to sue over the listing, calling the ruling overreaching and unscientific, adding, quote, the lesser prairie chicken only survives today because of the voluntary conservation efforts of ranchers, end quote.
5: Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN Smart Nitrogen.
1: Farmers trying to flip their soil and improve soil health on their farm are doing it on many levels, ranging from those using just no-till all the way to fully regenerative systems. But what does the word regenerative actually mean? One veteran soil health expert who has been researching regenerative agriculture for more than two decades says it involves returning the soil back to its native state.
6: Truly regenerative agriculture, um, you have to match the water, uh, nutrient, energy and diversity of the native system that was there before you started farming."
1: Beck says to achieve this, his research is looking at adding a long-term grazing cycle into the rotation.
6: In order to get the nutrient cycling right, uh, someplace in there we will need to put in some perennial sequences and, and, and probably with grasses, not with trees and that may mean Maybe we'll use some of that for biomass. Maybe we'll graze a lot of that. I think we're going to probably graze graze more beef in the future than we are now. Um, not take the feed to the feedlot, but do more things with cattle in the field.
1: He says the goal when they're fully regenerative is to eliminate the use of all fossil fuels on the farm as they're responsible for 80% of the variable cost in crop production. Livestock futures were mostly lower on Tuesday with grains trying to stage a recovery. We'll talk more about that with pro farmers Brian Grady coming up. And later we head to Mississippi where improvements sprouts with every step at one farm meet 2023's top producer of the year. Tuesday staged a mixed close in the livestock futures. The grains, well, we were mostly higher except for soybeans and Brian Grady with Pro Farmers joining us. And we start, tried to stage a recovery in the grains on Tuesday, Brian, but soybeans, it seemed like once we got above $15, did we either get farmers selling or are we just continuing to get weather premium pulled back out of the market?
2: Yeah, I think a little bit of both, Michelle. Kind of a disappointing finish uh, if you're a bull in the marketplace. Uh, filled Monday's gap. Uh, pushed above uh, $15, as you said, and and just couldn't find sustained buyer interest above that level. I think a large part of that is Argentina and the the rains that we've seen there uh, late last week and early this week um, probably stabilized the crop, Uh, didn't help all the crop by any means, but uh, at least took the bloom off uh, for bulls and and, uh, just going to make it a little bit more difficult to find buyer interest above that level moving
1: forward, I believe. So how much lower do you think we're going to have to go here to get that priced in?
2: Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, if, if we take out Monday's lows, uh, then you do te- uh, technical damage and, and you probably set back even further. Uh, probably fund money flow at this point in time is as important as any fundamental factor. Uh, so the funds would get out if uh, get out of more length if the, we drop below Monday's low. Uh, if we hold above that level, then I, I think that they're OK for now.
1: had a better close, uh, helping getting some help from the wheat market, but back above some key moving averages. Are you encouraged by that?
2: I actually am. Uh, you know, I think the, uh, the corn market hasn't performed as well as soybeans, and, and so we probably needed some of that. There was a lot of corrective trade in the market on Tuesday, uh, intramarket spreading and spread unwinding and, and those types of things, uh, corrective buying in, in the corn market, like you mentioned. And uh, so, uh, you know, a big down day on Monday, a corrective day on Tuesday. We'll see where we go from here. But uh, overall, I think that uh, soybeans are OK. Uh, corn is improving a little bit and, and wheat has
1: its struggles. Yeah, was wheat just corrective action today, too? I mean, is the market perceive we just got too cheap?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Nothing more than corrective trade, to be honest with you. Uh, we just don't have the demand base right now in the wheat market to, to find sustained buyer interest, in my opinion, unless the corn and soybean markets leave us higher.
1: Okay, thanks for joining us. As always, Brian Brady with Pro Farmer, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up.
5: Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an End Zone Moisture Management Package.
1: We'll end with our National Ag Weather Forecast this morning, meteorologist Andrew Whitmire. And Andrew, it looks like uh, the first big blast of cold is going to move in here to start the year.
4: Yeah, we're going to have to watch this closely here beyond this coming weekend. We're going to have to watch uh, the last few days of January and the first few days of February for kind of this first a big push here of Arctic frigid air moving on into parts of the lower 48. And this will really again be our first big Arctic push of a cold air for at least the northern plains, central plains, as well as parts of the inner mountain west and upper portions uh, of the Great Lakes estates. And that is something that we'll have to watch here as we finish off January and begin the first of few weeks here, or at least the first few days here of February. Let's walk you through the jet stream here to take a better look at what is happening with that cold air intrusion beyond this upcoming weekend. We have this trough system that has uh, crossed uh, parts of uh, the lower 48 here to end out the week, and that is what's leading to the kind of these parade of low pressure systems across the deep south as well as the Ohio River Valley and off towards uh, the New England coastline. But watch what happens as we head on into this upcoming weekend here. We're going to be watching closely another big dip here into the jet stream we will actually tap into some of that polar vortex energy as well. And that's going to allow for some brutally cold air across parts of Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, as well as parts of Minnesota and the Upper Peninsula there of Michigan as we start off next week. And then as we head on into February 1st, we are paused on Wednesday and notice how that cold air just kind of remains parked here across the northern half here of the lower 48. And if you're wondering, well, is this going to linger into February? Is this going to set the stage here for a very active pattern? Well, we go back to the temperature outlook here for the month of February and we're still going to be looking at pockets of cold up to the north and west. And meanwhile, again, uh, much of the country is still looking quiet at or below average for those temperatures are concerned here as we go throughout at least the next a few uh, days beyond that cold snap here for the month of February. Looking at our temperatures for this afternoon, 20s up to the north, 34 in Chicago, 61 in Atlanta, 82 in Jacksonville, down to 65 in Los Angeles. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your ag day select cities. Going over to North Carolina, chance of showers and storms, high 70 degrees. Going over to St. Louis, Missouri, snow showers continue. Another one to three inches of snow in the morning, high 36 degrees. And going over to Cowheart, Wyoming, blustery with light snow.
5: Ag Day is brought to you by Golden Harvest. Broad adaptability, high yield potential, solid agronomics, great late season health. The foundations of a successful season start with Golden Harvest Game Changing Corn. Find your hybrid at GameChangingCorn.com. Weed Warriors on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergence herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com slash fierce. Always read and follow label instructions.
1: Drought caused problems for farmers when it came to weed control efforts in 2022, but what will that mean heading into the next growing season? Agronomists we spoke with are making five key recommendations. First, they say to tailor your control program to your driver weed species. They say Palmer amaranth and water hemp continue to decimate crop yields overall, but depending on your location, other weeds may be an even bigger yield robber. Second, weigh if you need a burn down herbicide. Winter annuals such as horseweed respond well to a burn down application. They say if a burn down treatment isn't doable now, try one in early spring. Third, they say to make applications as high performing as possible. One extension agronomist says keep in mind that pre-emergent products commonly need a half inch of rain for activation or good soil moisture if incorporated. He tells farmers to apply pre-emerge products ahead of a rain, but no more than a week to ten days before planting. If conditions allow, apply post-emergent products after a rain when weeds are small but growing. Fourth, harness a high-quality adjuvant to enhance activity. They say drought can contribute to a thicker cuticle in the weed, making it possibly more difficult for the herbicide to penetrate the plant surface. And finally, consider herbicide carryover. Dry conditions can extend the life of a residual herbicide in the soil, meaning that it will not degrade as fast in drought, which could create future problems for herbicide carryover in soybeans, alfalfa, and edible crops. Coming up, what made one couple trek from Canada to the deep south? See why they now call Mississippi home and why they're this year's top producer of the year, next.
5: In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need Now on Seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com.
1: In farming as in life, the road to success is often paved with challenges and surprises. That's the case for this year's Top Producer of the Year. They were honored at last night's awards banquet as part of the Top Producer Summit going on in Nashville. Clinton Griffiths takes us to Mississippi and introduces us to a family that's all about looking forward.
0: To tell the story of Silent Shade Planning Company, you have to start a generation earlier with Willard Jack's journey in 1979 from Canada to Mississippi.
2: We are looking for the ability to put together a larger operation.
0: The newly married farmer stumbled across this, less expensive land with room for growth. Willard and his wife met the challenge head on. As the operation grew, so did the family. BUT AN UNEXPECTED OBSTACLE RESULTED IN A COURSE CHANGE THAT PUT SON JEREMY ON A NEW
2: path. He thought he wanted to work in D.C., and he worked there for a while, and about the time he'd been up there a little while, I was diagnosed with cancer. And his mother said, well, son, you got two choices. You can stay in D.C., we're going to sell this if your father gets any sicker, or you can come back home to run it. And he said, well, you know, I'm not sure I really like this that well up there. I think I'll come home. And within five years, Jeremy took
0: over the day-to-day operations of Silent Shade. Today, they farm across more than 11,000 acres
2: in the Mississippi Delta. He basically runs it every day. He comes and starts crew out, and he runs the operation. His sister is CFO, and she looks after all that part of the business. His wife has her responsibility. My wife has her responsibilities. We've got a lot of different things going on every day, and I think that's the diversity of our operation, being cotton, corn, soybeans, rice. So there's always something going on, and the only way to keep everybody on the same page is to over-communicate as much as we can. From
0: a variety of crops that require irrigation to aerial fertilizer applications, even moving dirt and managing their own trucking company, the management piece of Silent Shade is the key. The work is done together, line by line, plan by plan, it's all discussed in the open, and it's not just decisions for today. Farming for the future is rooted in everything this operation does.
2: That goes back to the decisions that we're making today might not be uh, beneficial for our lifetime, but for the future of the generation, it will be. Through
0: the help of technology and a dedicated team of employees, continuous improvement sprouts in every step.
2: For years and years, we've had data flowing in. We didn't know what we could do with it all. We
0: just had a bunch of garbage data. Data that, at the time, didn't benefit the overall goal. Now, that data and subsequent technology is a tool, allowing the farm to hold sway over decisions from anywhere. Now, the great
2: thing is we can have all this good information instantly of what we're looking at, how we're doing it. It's evident just how much Silent
0: Shade is grown. Success that germinates by prioritizing their farm family and how they care for this land, both of which continue to be some of life's greatest gifts. Congratulations to the Jack family in Silent Shade on being a 2023 finalist for Top Producer of the Year.
1: Thanks, Clinton, and Clinton will be joining us tomorrow morning with more from the Top Producer Summit in Nashville, Tennessee tomorrow morning. That's all the time we have for this morning. From all of us here on the Ag Day team, have yourself a great day.